Hello and welcome to another episode of Cinema Oblivia, your podcast for movies that are underseen, unheard of, undiscovered, or in this case, just, you know, not very good, but we're talking about. Uh, I am your host, as usual, James Eldred, and who's back today for another episode? Rob Hill. Rob, you've been here before. We talked about um, Deadlier Than the Mail, right? We did, we yes, did. Yes. But in case people haven't heard that one, tell people about yourself really quick. Uh, well, I'm a writer, author, and uh, I run a YouTube channel these days as well. Uh, everything focused on the best bad movies, generally 80s and 90s American genre movies, but really anything. Yes, and more re- most recently you did a two-parter on Die Hard Ripoffs, yeah. am I right? That's right, yeah. My main series on YouTube, on the Bad Movie Bible uh, YouTube channel, is called Borrowing Blockbusters, and it just takes a, like a deep dive into the rip-offs of various favorite genre movies of the last 30 or 40 years. That's how we came to Deadlier Than The Mail, actually, after the James Bond episode I did. Yes, Deadlier Than The Mail, led uh, the, the James Bond one led to Deadlier Than The Mail, one of the, I think, the most British movie I've covered on this podcast <laughs> and your diehard two-parter led me to rediscover the movie we're talking about tonight the taking of beverly hills which is exceedingly american <laughs> <laughs> you could, i so, hadn't thought about it like that but yeah i kind i kind of fucked up because last time like I, I just was like hey this is all british shit you go rob but now like <laughs> i'm gonna guess that you know I'm gonna just gonna go out. I'm gonna play some stereotypes here. You don't know much about American football. Uh, did you know what I was gonna ask you what I'm supposed to call it? I'm not I'm honestly not sure. Well, I live in Japan, but I'm American. So in in Japan we call it it's, Japan's weird because they call what you would call what you would call football. Uh, mm-hmm. Japan, Japan in conversation they call it football here, but when it's written down, it's usually soccer. And it's spelled uh. in katakana, saka, saka. And uh, what, what I would call football is American football. Yeah. And American football is, is, is more popular in Japan than you would think. It's still not popular, but it's more than you'd think. <laughs> uh, there, are, there is a semi-pro league here. Uh. America, and it's Japanese players, not just Americans who come over here. Um, so it is actually a little bit popular here, but but not really. And in 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 England, if you call it anything at all, you call it American football, right? Yeah, that's generally what it's known as. But I, I I'm all for calling it football because I have no interest in what um, I think everyone <laughs> understands as soccer, apart from <laughs> in Europe, where obviously it's football. So I generally call just to get really confusing. I generally call English football soccer, just as a kind of a passive aggressive dig at local fans because they hate it. Good. Well, also, like y'all invented that fucking word, so that's on you. Like, I mean, like whenever <laughs> people get, whenever our British coworkers get mad at me for calling it soccer, it's like that's your word for it. Like you, I, absolutely, it, man. I don't. Yeah. It's it's all you know, nonsense but, as far as I'm concerned. All nonsense. Speaking of nonsense, this movie. So, <laughs> so this is the Taking of Beverly Hills, 1991, which is in your video for of the, about Die Hard exploitation, and. Yeah. Uh, ha- before you researched that video, had you heard of this movie? Yeah, I well, yeah, I I knew this movie <laughs> back in the day, and I was you're the one staggered. 
Yeah, I was the one guy. <laughs> maybe it's a UK thing. Maybe it was popular here. I don't know. But it seems to not. be a relative. Yeah, <laughs> looking back, <laughs> I'd be surprised. It seems to be a relatively um, popular movie. It's, you know, it was, you saw posters for it in the video store. You saw it on the shelves. And then I went uh, to track it down and sort of looked it up on IMDb and thought, hang on, it's only got like a thousand ratings. And did yeah. a bit more research and, and discovered it's basically a lot more obscure than I'd ever realized. So I, I had heard of this film twice. So right before it came out, I still, this is why I can't learn Japanese. Because in my brain, I never forgot an Entertainment Tonight feature on this film. That stayed in my brain. Uh, talking about the the making of this film, which we'll get to, and I heard about it then. I, the as far as I could tell, the movie never came out in America. Like it, it did come out in America, but I don't. I never remember seeing an ad for it. I never remember seeing it at my dad's video store. I have never seen it listed on TV. Maybe it was on like HBO. We didn't have that. I don't know. And I had completely forgotten its existence at all until. Two things happened back to back. One, I was researching for my episode on Shakedown, uh, which is a movie by James Glickenhaus, who also directed a movie called The Soldier, which has Ken right. Wall in it. Yeah, and when yeah. I was looking up Ken Wall, I remember, oh yeah, Taking a Beverly Hills. And then like a week later, I watched your video where you mentioned it. And I'm like, well, yeah. that's a sign. So I guess I'm going to buy this Blu-ray. Because, uh, but to anyone listening, I'm sorry. This is another example of a movie you cannot easily find on the internet. If you are one of the vast majority of human beings who has not seen this film, um, <laughs> good luck. But so yeah, that's that's why I watched it, and we'll talk about the uh, the the lack of, of quality of this film. But uh, before we even get into who made it, what is what is this movie about? I don't want to forget because it's it's really it's something else. Uh, well, I, I see it very much as Die Hard in Beverly Hills. It, it's, yes. not a, it's not a, a pure Die Hard ripoff in that uh, he's got like a, a sidekick who's actually with him rather than on the other end of a radio. But it's, it's essentially that. You know, he, 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 Ken Wall plays uh, an American footballer or a gridiron star or uh, whatever we want to call it. And he, he's does, a he does all yeah. the He's a quarterback, yeah. I've got, yeah, they get they get enough casual references in for for even me to understand oh. that. I think, but um, <laughs> it, it, he's one of these guys who, just like Bruce uh, Bruce McLean, just like John McLean, is very capable and physically, you know, down to do what needs to be done and and everything else. But he he doesn't really want to. He's a reluctant hero. He's 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 not been trained for it, and that's kind of what they have a lot of fun with in the movie isn't it it's it's really him being a bit of a fish out of water in this game they try to have fun with it i don't know how much they succeed <laughs> yes when we say it is die hard in beverly hills what that means is a bunch of crooked cops make plan a elaborate heist of beverly hills and yeah, the, 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 the only... world's least plausible heist it's unbelievably stupid it is unbelievably stupid and the only one who can stop them is Boomer Haynes. Boomer Haynes or Hayes? Boomer, Boomer Hayes. Boomer Hayes, by the way, great, great fake football player name. Although, you wouldn't know this. There was another player at the time named Boomer. Oh, really? I assumed uh, they called him Boomer just so they could do that weak gag about the, the girl going, but Boomer's still in there and everyone can think she's talking about a dog. 
Because so, he's called Boomer. I figured that was the only reason. At the time this movie came out, Boomer Esiason was the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, he was probably having maybe one of his best years, like near the tail end of his best period. Uh, I'm from Ohio, so I know about the Bengals. Uh, uh-huh. And he was a pretty good quarterback for a pretty bad team. And uh, he was pretty famous, and he's still pretty famous. He is... I want to say when I left America, he was he was still broadcast. He was he was on like the TV shows, you know, like yeah. one of the one of the 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 analysts on TV. So he's a pretty famous player. So to call your character in the movie Boomer, kind of brazen, if you ask me. But I guess that that would only be a problem if somebody saw this film, and nobody did. So <laughs> you know, there's that. This movie was, I think, you probably know more about this director than me. This was written and directed by Sidney J. Fury. Am I yeah. saying his name right? Yeah, yes. that's right. Um, who made a very important movie for in 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 like British exploitation? When well, exploitation, be, like he made the Ipcris file, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it's a, I mean, that's a pretty seminal movie. I think if you grew up in, like, we talked about this last time, didn't we? Actually, yeah. growing up and what kind of movies. Uh, you're you're exposed to in your in your own little corner of the world, and the Ipcris file was was hugely important. Yeah, and 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 that is the the Michael Caine working class James Bond movie. Exactly. Yeah, and I never seen that. Still, I still want to, and I know that was also one of the major inspirations for Austin Powers. Yes. Yeah. The glasses and everything, but that was a yeah. that was a that movie was a pretty big deal, and like uh, Sydney Fury is not British; she's Canadian. Yep. And and went to England and found most of his success in the in the UK. And from what I can tell, looking at his filmography, he started at the, he started you know doing some independent stuff. He made an early gay movie called The Leather Boys. Which oh, did he? I really want to see because that sounds fascinating. <laughs> it's a nineteen well, it's a nineteen sixty four movie about gay men, which just like that's rare. And yeah, yeah. And then he made. The Ipcris File, and then Appaloosa with Brando and John Saxon, and Lady Sings the Blues with Diana Ross. And then I feel ever since then, his career has just been on a steady downward spiral. It's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? If you, if you look at the arc from, from the Ipcris File <laughs> to Superman 4, that's quite, well, a, that's quite a journey that guy went on. And that might not be his worst movie. It's probably <laughs> well, no. not. It's probably not, right? Because like... When you did that Die Hard video, how many of those movies were directed by him? I, yeah, I'm trying not to think about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> in the 2000s, he's made several movies that you, no one has heard of. Um, Under Heavy Fire uh, with Casper Van Dien. Uh, <laughs> the Circle, with which look, looks like a ripoff of um, sc- The Skulls. The skull that 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 college evil college yeah. with fuck with Treat Williams, um, <laughs> partners in action with Amanda Sante. I'm just going through his IMDb detention with Dolph Lundgren, uh, <laughs> and that's Die Hard in a high school. Um, yeah, direct action with Dolph Lundgren, which is a cop with something to prove. 
Yeah, just uh, movies like no one has heard seen these movies. No, no he, I've I've seen a couple of those. I saw Detention, and and uh, that is a that's a, like the idea that that was made by a, a, a real filmmaker is extraordinary. It, it's just one of these absolute trash straight to video or straight to streaming. I mean, the, the Lundgren ends up saving the day with a literal dumpster fire. He sets a dumpster <laughs> on fire. And the movie re- dissolves into a, a dumpster fire, quite literally. Oh, dear. He made a movie that has two names, one of which is Pride of Lions, the other is The Dependables, which is a spoof, I think maybe a spoof of The Expendables, um, with Lewis Got has a hell of a cast. It has Bo Sevenson, Lewis Gossett Jr., and Seymour Castle. Uh, I'm sure it sucks. <laughs> In, you know... <laughs> And he he still make he has something credited that's that's not out yet called Finding Hannah. Uh, now you never know with IMDb they can just make stuff up sometimes, but yeah. that is uh, that looks like a, a movie about the Holocaust, so a little more serious. But he also made yeah, like you said, Superman four. Oh God, um, <laughs> Iron Eagle one, two, and four, not yeah. three. Yeah, yeah, he was um, busy that week. Iron Eagle 2, by the way, Iron Eagle 2 is a movie about fighter plane, fighter pilots that came out when I was nine years old, and when I saw it in the theater, I wanted to leave. <laughs> well, think about how bad that is. He made That's the entity. The entity. Oh, yes. Which, yeah, of yeah, course. Which I've never seen, but I know as the ghost sexual assault movie. Yeah, um, and it's not terrible. It's not okay, that okay. bad. Okay. I do want to see Hit. The that's a Billy D. Williams movie, um, that looks really good, but it's like two and a half hours long. So I keep uh, like, I know that. yeah. And he also, I think I haven't seen it. I'm just gonna, I'm just spitballing, but I'm gonna bet Ladybugs is worse than Superman Four. <laughs> Do you know what Ladybugs is? I I saw it on his IMDb, but I did not click on it. Oh oh no, Ladybugs is the is the. Robert Downey, no, I'm sorry, Rodney Dangerfield, uh, Rodney Dangerfield coaching an all-girls soccer team, but he has his fiance's son pretend to be a girl. Okay, that sounds, yeah, yeah, and okay. It has, it has Jonathan Brandis, rest in peace, and um, Jack A, do you know who Jack A is? No. Jack Gay was in a, an American sitcom called 227, and she's, she, I think she was in Sister, 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 and Jack Gay is, like, this very sassy, like, I'm Jack Gay. Like, she's, she's, she's great, but I'm sure she's terrible in that. But that movie is kind of infamously terrible. I, I, I yeah, have never seen yeah. it. And I, I don't want to. Rodney Dangerfield will come up again very soon in this in this in, in this episode. But uh, yeah, I'm looking. I think I know why. And I'm looking forward yeah, to that. Man, we'll get there. But yeah, it is a goddamn shame about this guy's career. Do Do you think even his lesser films have any kind of because uh, uniqueness or or idiosyncrasy that like makes it stand out, or is he is or is he just washed I, up? I don't, I honestly just don't. If you look at Superman four or Detention. It, it's they are films made by someone who just fundamentally doesn't seem to know what they're doing. Then it, it you know, I know <laughs> Superman Four had an awful lot of problems behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, that's not all him. That's not all. That's not all him. It's not all him. The but then, it, it, two people standing in a room talking to each other is him, and that doesn't work <laughs> either in Superman Four. 
so I, it's I just don't know where this early career came from or or went. It's the the strangest thing because because it's it like I say, detention is just a genre movie. You know, if you know what you're doing, yeah, you've got you're surrounded by people. You know, you know, Dolph Lundgren knows what he's doing. You've got a, a very closed, limited set, limited cast. There's not a huge amount of stress to deal with there, and the result's just dreadful. I mean, not even in an entertainingly bad way as well. Because Dolph has directed some entertainingly bad films, right? I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure. He's, he's, yeah. Dolph, Dolph Lundgren's directed himself in better Die Hard ripoffs than Detention, which is quite something when you hey, think about it. Hey, Dolph Lundgren's a smart guy. You know, we we we, yeah. we can we can rag on him, but he he does have a degree in like nuclear physics or whatever. So you know, exactly. Yes, and this movie kind of the other people who worked on it are kind of like they're either in the Sydney Fury crew or the Ken Wall crew. <laughs> Yes, yeah, I noticed and, that. And the other writers, not, nothing really note of note. I, I do think it's interesting. Two of the people who wrote this also wrote a foot, another a, a football, actual football ass football movie called Necessary Roughness, which I believe has the guy from Quantum Leap in it. And uh, that is a pretty. I liked that movie when I was eleven. Now I have not seen it since I was twelve, but. When it came out, it was good. Yeah, it has Scott Bakula, uh, Robert Logia, Sinbad, Jason Bateman, um, and also the, the woman in this movie, Harley Jane Kozak. So, uh. but this movie was delayed so long, both that and this came out like the same month. Uh, so it was they were competing against themselves in the box office. <laughs> and that's a better movie than this. And I did notice somebody else who worked on it, a guy named David Fuller, other than necessary roughness in this, he did nothing else except he was a production assistant on Nickelodeon's guts. <laughs> if the IMDb is correct. So he went from writing Hollywood feature films to being a PA on Nickelodeon. Um, which is just sad. The other real big name behind this is David J. Burke. David J. Burke is kind of a big deal. He was the producer of Wise Guy, which was Ken Wall's right, big yeah. Big, big, big thing. He also produced the Sequest TV shows with uh with, yeah. with I always say the wrong one. Roy Scheider, not Rob That's Scheider. Right. Roy, Roy, and he made kind of a, a well known documentary about about George W. Bush being a war criminal. Well, yeah, no shit. And <laughs> he's probably the biggest name on here. And then some producers who worked with both of them. The one interesting producer I found was Lloyd Bloom, who only produced this and Ladybugs. And he was Ken Wall's agent. And apparently he pissed off somebody in the mafia and was executed. Whoa. Murdered, unsolved, unsolved murder. Wow. Yes. So because when I Googled Lloyd Bloom, that was the first thing that came up. And I'm like, that's not the same Lloyd. Oh, yeah, it is. Well, shit. So I'm not making light of it. It's, it's That's messed up. But it was a strange, yeah. like, you know, a lot of strange people involved with this film. I, I feel yeah, yeah. There's another one. Well, I didn't. I was looking through the credits um, mm -hmm. last night. I came across uh, the cinematographer Frankie Johnson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He and, did some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was trying to think where I was trying to remember where I knew his name from. Realized I'd interviewed him a few years ago <laughs> because he um, was it for Raw Force. Was it for Raw Force? It was for Raw Force. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was uh, <laughs> that was the only that was the only thing I wanted to. I noticed that um, he's got he's credited on the Predator and all kinds of uh, interesting he's a, he's, movies. He's a second unit DP on Predator. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't the actual cinematographer. No, no, but, yeah, no, no. It, it, it was either way. He was on the set of all these interesting movies, and I, I, I don't know if I 
just hadn't bothered to find that out or I, or I wasn't interested. But I didn't <laughs> ask him about any of those. It was only raw force. It was only what it was like to be in the Philippines making a zombie samurai movie with Killer so Piranha the, and Cannibal Monks. So when you're on here again talking about raw force, <laughs> because <laughs> he, I think we're the only, I love that movie. That is a God, good, great, bad, that is a great bad movie. So, you know, he, Frankie Johnson did good work. He also worked on a lot of TV. He did, he did TJ Hooker, Hunter, the A-Team, and Wise Guy. Yeah, Again, and Wise Walker. Guy. Well, he did Walker, Texas oh, a, Ranger, a favorite of mine. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's fantastic. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, all I know from Walker, Texas Ranger, is Haley Joe Osment telling Walker he has AIDS. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think you probably need some uh, some ironic distance from Walker, Texas Ranger. I, I've always had the feeling that I'm because I'm from the other side of the world. Yes, I, I'm. I'm looking. It's not real to me. It's a cartoon. It's, it might be a bit too familiar to you. Hey, I try to. Hey, for as long, as far as I'm concerned, Texas, Texas is not real, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, something like 25 people from Wise Guy worked on this movie. Yeah, I noticed uh, that. Which is which is crazy i don't know i think it must have been the produ- the production it, it must have been the the ties into producers and not because of the star of the film ken wall yeah i don't think i don't think ken had a cult of personality with him that would bring people to go wherever, wherever he went no need to talk about ken wall and i'm sorry if i'm talking a lot up front this is what i want to hear about so ken wall i know ken wall because i had i was a i i was a i was a, a little boy in the 80s so my dad liked wise guy it's required by law um <laughs> everybody's dad liked Wise. if your dad liked crime story and miami vice he liked wise guy uh ken wall is a star of wise guy ken wall not his real name nobody knows it no. His birthday, as far as I know, nobody knows either. I found an interview with him, and he said, there's a reason for that. I'm not going to get into why. So, <laughs> name and, he is like a wrestler. He is some parts unknown. Nobody knows <laughs> anything. Like As far as I know, that is, still, that is definitely still true about his name. He, now, I think his birthday might have gotten out there, but as far as I know, I'm going to double check this. Yes, nobody he, really yeah, knows it, his name or his birthday so it's true yeah that there, there is a date given for his birthday but i did yeah. notice it. he has he has never verified it so yes, all it is yes. is a theory yes and very and he has he had a like a, 10 siblings yeah which you'd think one of them would talk about him but i guess not <laughs> so he he never really wanted when he was a teenager he didn't want to be an actor he was he he said, and I, okay, I might use some. I'm not going to use. So that's in case anyone know, doesn't know, I'm gay. So Ken Wall does occasionally use some gay slurs. I don't like to censor those. Just spoiler for for homophobia. <laughs> um, he didn't want to get into he didn't want to get into acting because he said even in school acting seemed so queer. You know, wearing makeup and putting on costumes. 
and he's not using queer in the new way. He's using queer in the old way. So he was way into sports, but when he was 15 years old, he says he busted his knee in a motorcycle accident. This is going to come up again. Yeah. So couldn't play Several baseball. Several times, actually. Yeah. Couldn't play baseball, busted up his knee. Started to get into acting. He was in The Wanderers, apparently, which I still have not seen, uh, which I hear is a good movie. I do want to see it. Mm. I've seen The Warriors a lot, but not The Wanderers. And he was in a few of the small films, and then he was supposed to be in a movie with Diane Keaton and was going to go meet her, but on the way there, got into a motorcycle accident. Poor scalp open. <laughs> so that never worked out. And he did a few more movies. He's in Fort Apache, the Bronx, with Paul Newman. He is in The Treasure of the Yankee Zephyr, which is apparently a very of quite bad Osbourne-Tayson film with Donald Pleasance that um, m- multiple stuntmen died making. Uh, it was, mm. I guess, kind of a train wreck making it. And then he was in The Soldier, which I talked about on the, on the podcast about uh, Shakedown. Soldier, real, real bad movie. He's terrible in it. Like, he's just like, he is a, he is a black hole of charisma. Yeah, I, I saw that because Klaus Kinski's in that, isn't he? And I remember oh, like watching five and that. And a half during a, yeah. Yeah, it, it was a Klaus Kinski obsession phase I was going through. But because he's only in it, we all have the movie. So he made the soul the same year he made Jinxed. Jinxed, strange movie. Uh, I know Jinxed because that is a movie that uh, Sam Peckinpah worked on uncredited to prove he could still direct so he could get the Osterman mm. weekend because he was so strung out. But that's a Bette Midler movie. There's a famous quote of Ken Wall saying that to kiss Bette Midler, he had to picture his dog. <laughs> and there's a famous quote Bette Midler loved to say in newspapers that said, the first thing Ken Wall said to her, and I am going to censor myself here, is I want you to know that I hate N-words and faggots. Right. Yes. And there's that. So then after that... Okay. Yeah, so, you know, Ken Wall seems like a nice guy. Uh, he made a couple more, an, 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 another Sidney J. Fury film, Purple Hearts, with Arlie Emery. Arlie Emery is also in another Sidney J. Fury film. He's in, um, uh, what is that called? The Boys in Company C. And in both uh, of, of course, these, yeah. Arlie, Arlie is playing a drill sergeant. This is before Fumble Jacket. So Yeah, well, he, he was actually a drill sergeant in real life, wasn't he, exactly, at that time? Yes, yes, so that makes sense. He was supposed to be in uh, Officer and Gentleman. That's why... Uh, Louis Gossett Jr. says says some lines that R. Lee says in Fullmetal Jacket because he learned them oh. from R. Lee. So anyway. I'm assuming he then, was going to play the Richard Gere role, was he? <laughs> yeah. ah, I don't, <laughs> don't want to think about that. Um, I got nowhere else to go. Anyway, um, he was in a... Then he went, went to TV. He was in a, a series called Double Dare, not the Nickelodeon game show with Billy Dee Williams as a diamond thief who's arrested and forced to work with the cops. That lasted less than one season. Then he made a TV movie called The Gladiator, which is a vigilante film by Abel Ferreira. Yeah, yeah I've I seen really, that. Really want to, you've seen that. Is it good? Is yeah, it interesting? I can't, again, I can't remember anything about it. This is, maybe mm. there's, a, there's a theme here with Ken Wall movies, isn't there? That you don't remember yeah. them. He, all, he said all his movies bond because all the best parts were cut out of them. I don't believe you, Ken Wall. Like, it's not your fault. Like, to, I mean, to be honest, Ken Wall's a struggling actor in the 80s. It's not his fault that the soldier sucks, you know? And yeah. it's not his fault that, that you know, nobody saw Treasure of the Yankees effort. He's a young actor trying to make money. He can just say they're bad movies, dude. It's okay. You didn't, you didn't write them. 
Then he made another movie called Omega Syndrome, which is neo-Nazis versus Vietnam vets for fighting over Nicole Eggert. Never seen that one. <laughs> and then he stumbled into Wise Guy. Now, Wise Guy was never a huge hit, but the critics absolutely loved it. Like, that show was like riding the Miami Vice coattails, a little more gritty. It was a serialized drama, which for the time was very rare on network TV. And he played mm. an undercover cop. Like I said, everyone's dad loved it. It was only on for three seasons, and he quit halfway through season two for reasons we'll get to in a minute. But it was nominated for a ton of Emmys. He got he won a Golden Globe for it. Like it was he was not he was named Us Magazine's sexiest man on TV. Mm. Big de- big big deal. But he says during one episode they were filming and. The, the director wanted a really weird shot and he fell and broke his ankle. And blames the woman director. I forgot her name. Uh, the producers. Yeah, Jan something. I Jan saw this. Jan something. The producers dispute his claim and so does he. And so, so, does, so, do, so does she. Uh, so, that's, so he has a broken ankle, a busted knee, and a torn scalp. And then quits that. He quits that. He, he, does, he does take him to Beverly Hills which we'll get to, obviously. And then in 1992, he said he had another motorcycle accident and broke his neck. Now, later it came out, he was at Rodney Dangerfield's house with Rodney Dangerfield's girlfriend when Rodney Dangerfield was not home. (laughs) (laughs) And he didn't want to... He didn't want to give her a bad name, which I I respect that. So he he lied and said it was a motorcycle accident. But he he fell in the house and broke his neck. And apparently it was a very bad injury. And then he tried to get it treated. The surgeries didn't go well. He said that the, the, there was a botched surgery and the doctors wouldn't prescribe painkillers. So when he, when he went back to movies to make the Wise Guy TV movie, he said that they were just shooting up, shooting up drugs the whole time and he could, barely make, he could barely make the movie in only 16 days of work. And after that, he quit acting. And became a pretty infamous alcoholic because he claimed that only vodka could stop the pain. And yeah. there are interviews of with him around this time period, kind of the mid nineties to early two thousands, and it is like they are in the, in a the few cases. I I in my of the opinion, publishing those interviews is bad journalism. Like he's so oh, far no. gone. I feel like yeah. he's being taken advantage of. Um, but still, Ken Wall, apparently not the greatest person. <laughs> so <laughs> around the same time, in 2008, and I'm sorry I'm rambling, I'm almost done. In 2008, there was a writer's strike. Do you remember that on TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jay Leno hosted, was hosting a Tonight Show and they had unscripted bits because there was no writers. And so... Jay Leno used to have a thing where the audience would ask him questions and they were all pre-arranged questions and it was terrible. It was not funny because Jay Leno. But on this one, it was real questions and obviously not screened. And somebody asked him, who's the worst guest you've ever had on a show? And instantaneously, he said Ken Wall. <laughs> like without a, and that had to have been nearly 20 years earlier. Because it's 2008. And he said, yeah. Ken Wall, he was a pain in the ass. So... I don't know what Ken Walter or Jay Leno, but nobody seems to like this dude. But to his credit, 
with the help of his wife, who is one of the Barbie twins, um, Ken and Barbie. Uh, <laughs> he's married. Course, to sh- yeah. Hey, they've been they have been married since 1997. Yeah. And both of them have quit really acting and quit doing any anything like that. And they only now well, they I imagine both, she's locked in the house. No, they do a lot of animal activism now. And they help um, vets with PTSD find dogs. And that is Ken Wall's big thing now. Ken Wall dedicates pretty much all his free time, all his public appearances, which he doesn't do many, all his public public persona is him trying to help veterans. So, mm. you know what? And, you know, I'm going to be, when you look at his Twitter feed, and you look at who he's following on Twitter, seems like he might be kind of a conservative asshole. <laughs> and sometimes he lets that drop a bit, you know, and and kind of that comes out a little bit. But he, he, he tends to keep his more conservative viewpoints relatively low-key. He has tweeted bipartisan support for Democrats who want to help veterans. So he does do a lot to help veterans and like tweets out stuff about suicide prevention and things and helping horses and all this stuff. So, you know, good third act turnaround, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're a, if you're a horse, not so if much you're, if, hey, you're, if you're black, I, gay or a motorcycle, he's, he's well, just going to uh, well, hurt you well, by the sounds of things. You know, he said that terrible thing 40 years ago. And I'm not going to excuse it, but I'm not going to say that can define him as a person now. No, of course. Of <laughs> so, course. and a, and like I said, and whenever, whenever you get like an actor who's maybe people think is a conservative prick, like if they keeping those opinions to themselves, I don't care. You know, I can't mind read anybody. So hmm. Ken Wall nowadays seems to be doing a good thing, as far as I know. Maybe he's canceled somewhere that didn't read, but. <laughs> The the, th- the I think the big takeaway about Ken Wall is that he's a pretty shitty actor, <laughs> 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 and he's terrible in this movie. I think. I think we bottom. can say yeah, yeah. Two things he can't do is act and ride motorcycles. Let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he can't act, can't ride motorcycles, and I. That's that's the big takeaway from Ken Wall. Not his troubled past. His uh, he's just not a very good actor. And so I'm glad he found something that I'm glad. I hope I have had chronic pain before. It sucks ass. I would not wish that on anybody. So I hope yeah. he's not in pain, and I hope he's happy helping vets. Other people in this film, this movie has a pretty interesting cast. Um, it does. I mean, who's his who's his right hand man? Uh, well, Matt Frewer, the guy's name is, who to me is um, a like a, a poor man's. Um, oh god, what's his name? Murdoch from the A Team. I don't know uh, Murdoch from the A Team. I can't even help you there. Uh, oh, are you a Star Trek fan? He's in Star Trek too. 
Murdoch, Dwight Schultz. Dwight Schultz, that's it. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. He's a, he's yeah. a poor poor man's version of Dwight Schultz, to my mind, Matt Fra. But he, he kind of he kind of does what he needs to do, doesn't he? He's he's there with the one liners. Matt Fra was a good squirrely looking dude. You know, um, like he he always he has like a manic energy to him. I always yeah. thought, and uh, he had his own TV show for a year called Doctor Doctor that I really liked. No one no one else in America watched, <laughs> and he was Max Headroom. Was he's he Max, really? He's Max Headroom. Yes, Matt Fura is Max Headroom. Of course, yeah. I, <laughs> I never made that connection. No, he's Max Headroom. Yeah, no. Well, that makes sense because he's kind of, you know, <laughs> I, I, I can picture him doing, I mean, he kind of does the, he does a, virtually a monologue um, opening the movie, a voiceover. Yes, sounds tacked which, on. Which, yeah, which is blatantly there to get the runtime up, isn't it? <laughs> but it's really good, though. I think he does a really good job of it. it as... Because he's kind of pres- he, he plays a cop, doesn't he? He's a mm-hmm. a working class guy, working class cop protecting the rich people of Beverly Hills. He can't afford to live there; it's another world to him. And the voiceover he does at the beginning sort of establishes that dynamic, and it does it really well. I think, it, it, yeah, he's, yeah, he's really well cast in that role. No, Matt Fu is a good actor, and he's a great character actor. He's often in bad things. He was in Lawnmower Man too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and he was but he was in the Watchmen. He was in yep. the Dawn of the Dead remake. So he must so Zack Snyder must like him. And he was in the Stand miniseries back in the nineties. And he was I think the neighbor in Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Um, yeah, yeah. He's and the Supergirl only girl in Spies Like Us. I remember him from as yeah, a kid. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's definitely the only person I've ever featured on my podcast who's in a, who's in an Art of Noise song. No, um, <laughs> because Max Headroom. What am I doing? I'm talking to myself. Look, I must have a star on my door. Or better still. But no, he's, yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I loved Max Headroom, and I even watched the TV show that was on for like one season. So, little known fact Max Headroom, no CG. That's all makeup. Yeah. Nowadays, it'd be easy, but yeah, no. Uh, I think he's good in this role as kind of the hapless sidekick. He has the good one liners. He, he's really pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> and it, he's not very believable in the sense that you've got because we haven't done the setup have we well, yeah you, you did mention it in fact didn't yeah, you that yeah. this is a this is a police staged robbery yeah but he, he's he's a goodie but he's gone along with this plan I and mean, he's locked all the all the uh non-corrupt policemen up he's conducting you know he's hanging around these policemen who are now murdering people conducting this enormous robbery and it is a bit of a it's a bit much to ask that we suddenly accept he's he's he, grown some some responsibility and decided against it all. He didn't think anyone was going to get hurt, but then yeah, that, that's, that seems hard to believe, though, doesn't it? Yeah, but then <laughs> this uh, plan was always going to involve death. But then somebody kills the mayor, <laughs> so yeah, yeah and that's start somebody, right at the top, and that somebody is leaving. <laughs> <laughs> if leaving is if leaving's on your team, you, you pick the wrong team. Yeah. I love how he he gets a much much more to do in this movie than he normally does, though, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, well, he's not a body, <laughs> so there's yeah. that. It's like leaving. Most people, I imagine, know leaving as Mister Body and Clue, but uh, he was in Streets of Fire, he was in Flashdance, and he's the lead singer of Fear, the band Fear. Ah. Uh, 
Yes, which has one great album and a lot of garbage. And he's also in a great movie called Dudes with John Cryer and Flea that I really recommend. Uh, I think it's, I think that's a Penelope Spears movie, or at least she's involved with it. That's a good like punk rock movie. And okay. uh, Rob, up your alley, have you seen Black Moon Rising? Yes, yeah, okay, the Tommy yes, Lee Jones a, movie. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, of course he is, yeah. <laughs> it's a piece of shit. <laughs> that movie's <laughs> garbage. Um, I think most Americans who see this movie would know um, the the other one of the other bad guys. I like this movie. This movie has like video game bad guys because there's different levels of them. Like Lee Vang's level one, <laughs> and we'll get to level three. And level two is Benitez, played by Brent Scomey Richmond. Uh, who was in Renegade. Oh, he, right, yeah. yeah. The guy with the mullet. The other mullet. The yeah. other, other mullet. Yeah. There's a lot of mullets in this he's movie. A, another one who's got a bigger role than usual, and a, jo- a yeah. genre star. Yeah, yeah, he's in Commando. He's in The Fish of, say, Pittsburgh, which is a, not a good movie. He's in The Hidden. Um, he's a stuntman in Roadhouse, because every stuntman's in Roadhouse. And <laughs> he plays one of the bad guys here. And I, I love him in this movie, because that man is having fun. Like that well, he's guy, got a like tank. It's, it's, it, his job is to destroy a place with a tank. They never explain his getup because everybody else is like a former cop, but he's just this dude. <laughs> he's <laughs> the wild card. He's high on life, this guy, um, <laughs> and he's great in it. The main bad guy is Robert Davy. Yeah, and he if people would recognize him he's in he is in action jackson he's in predator 2 he's in showgirls i think he's the guy in showgirls who says it must be weird not to have guys come on you i can't <laughs> remember he's, he's uh yeah he's one of the oh he's just a he, sleazebag isn't he i can't remember exactly he which owns, one he owns he owns the first club that's it yeah he's, he's got yes. a limp oh no no has he got a limp in that because he's i but he, he's he also uh-huh He's he's also in um in a movie called No Contest, which is another Die Hard ripoff. Which is oh, Jesus. like like Showgirls. He's this kind. He's just this old guy who hangs around strippers, and it's not entirely clear what is what he does. But I, th- I well, think you know. he's like a former cop or something. But it's it's really remin- I always confuse his role in that with his role in Showgirls because the whole movie is just him with strippers. Well, hey, Showgirls is a great movie, so mm. I think that. I, I'm I'm I I I'm required by I'm gay I'm required by a lot of like short girls. Um, <laughs> I love bad movies, so am I. <laughs> but no, it's a good movie. What are you talking about? Anyway, <laughs> but he most people would know him as he's the one. He's the older brother in the Goonies of the other Fatellis. He's the yeah, one. Who, yeah, or as the um the the senior FBI agent in Die Hard. Yes, yes. Um, we have to get more FBI guys. Um, yeah. Uh, now, when I said that Ken Wall is a problematic person who's said and done a lot of bad things, but tends to want to help people now, so he's not a horrible piece <laughs> of shit, I meant that Robert Davy is a dog shit human being. <laughs> and do yourself a favor. Do not look at this asshole's Twitter page. It is horrible. He seems like a horrible nightmare human. Um, yeah. racist, proto-fascist, uh, like let's go, Brandon, motherfucker, and like, yeah. and I'm not even talking about conservative politics. He just seems racist, like, yeah. and he's a lounge singer too. 
I need to lounge in, so fuck this dude twice. Let's stop talking. And he sucks shit in this movie. He's and like, I don't even know if that's his fault because I think it's directed pretty poorly. But he is not. He is. He plays. Plays the the foot the football head coach turned domestic terrorist. Um, (laughs) which I guess okay, I'll give him credit. No one could do that, so I guess it's not entirely his fault. But he has he has no charisma. He's not threatening. This is it. He's so low energy, isn't he? He's doing. Yeah. He's clearly doing a like I'm a proper actor thing, which is what all these genre bit players and that guys all they want to do is 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 play these a role like that is play play something serious and you know flat but don't just they don't want to just be the, the shouty crazy guy no but that's but he, what they're there for and and he's just yeah. dreadful as as a as an understated performer but he's a poor in my opinion he's like a poor man's billy drago <laughs> yeah uh that's the guy from untouchable right billy drago yeah, yeah, the, the assassin yeah. in the Untouchables, yes. yeah. Because Billy Drago is super low-key. But, like, when Billy Drago gets arrested in that movie, at the end of the movie, and he just says, your friend died like a pig. Like, <laughs> he says it super low-key, but it's 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 scary, and he, it's menacing, and you want that asshole to die, like, twice. When Robert Davey is, like, threatening to kill this woman if she doesn't marry him, he, he comes off like, fuck, like, he's like, he's mm. like, He's like he's like a skeletor. Yeah. <laughs> like he has no there's no pathos, there's no no there's nothing scary about him. He's just a smuck. No, and he's kind of pathetic as well because he his whole thing is he's looking for the approval of a better class of person. It, whether it's yeah. the girl who he's in love with or the the, the senator or businessman who whoever that uh, sort of patriotic character is yeah. at the beginning. The, the, it's it, it, not none of it. None of his character makes any sense. He's he's boring. No, yeah, he's boring, and and he he wants to get with uh, Laura, who's played by Har- Harley Jane Kozak, and they like I get they wouldn't have any chemistry because he's the bad guy, but like he he doesn't even he he doesn't even act interested in her, you know, yeah. and I think she's not bad in this movie. She has not doesn't have no, much to work like, with. She's absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. She's a good actress. She was in When Honey Met Sally. She's in Parenthood. She's in Arachnophobia. Uh, she's in The Favor, which means she, she acted against Ken Wall twice, so good for her. Um, <laughs> and she quit acting more or less, and she's a writer, and she's a pretty, pretty successful mystery writer. So, good, you know, she got out. I'm, I'm proud of her. See, she, I think out of everyone in this movie, I think she's done the best afterwards, except maybe Matt Fuhrer. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he's, he's like in he's in every TV show now. So, and I, I suppose Faith No More did pretty well as well. Oh God, we'll get there. Um, actually, they kind of peaked that that year, so not really. Um, nobody else really. Uh, Faith Bueller's dad's in this for five minutes. Uh, Lim- Lemon Ward, yeah. and that's about it. A lot of oh, there are some real football players. So I'm I'm I have to get a little like I used to like football. I don't anymore, but I recognized. For like one millisecond, you can see Bob Golick. Now, Bob Golick is the second most famous Golick. His brother, <laughs> Mike Golick, was a better player, I think, and he's all he's on ESPN. So he's like a real he was anyway. I don't know if he still is. Um, Even I've heard of one of those people. I'm not I've, yes. I've heard that name in relation to football before. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So he is sitting at the table in the beginning of the movie at the, at the charity event. You can, you can see his face for a minute. He is also in Saved by the Bell, the college years. <laughs> so uh, he also played at this, at the time of this movie, he was in, he was playing for the LA Raiders. So okay. um, both him and Peter Koch, who you can also see for like one minute, they're both Raiders. There's another player named Jeff Benson. He was a USC Trojan. So all these guys were in California, in LA. This w- movie was made in 1990 and 91. This is right before the Raiders left LA to go back to Oakland. That's a whole thing. Mm. Um, at, at the time of this movie, LA had two f- NFL teams. Um, by 1995, they would have zero. <laughs> Both would leave. And that's a whole other thing. And you're not, you're British or you don't care and you shouldn't. But yeah, it was fun to see them. Apparently Pamela Anderson's in this movie too. Did you see her? Yeah. No, I, I kept my, I, I rewatched it last night and I kept my eye open for her. She's a, yeah, a cheerleader or something, but I, I, I kept forgetting. And yeah, it, she's in there somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah, I in there somewhere. I can't, I couldn't find her, but I, I did see Bob Golick. So, Hey, what do I know? <laughs> I think this movie is most known, if anyone does know anything about it, it's the production, because I think this movie has an interesting claim to fame. You, you know about the production, you know the story about the production of this movie, like what they did. Uh, I think I, which uh, the, the 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 Mexico shoot or yes yes yeah yes yeah. So, so go I, ahead. I I I, I, don't, I only I, well I only know that they that they built um that they built a lump of Beverly Hills in Mexico and uh, purely just to blow it up. Which yeah, they, seems to me a very good move. They went, to, yeah. Inst- instead of filming at Beverly Hills, because that would never happen, they went to some place outside Mexico City, hired a bunch of hired a bunch of non-union Mexican carpenters, built a fake Beverly Hills, and then blew it the hell up. And, and you can tell as well, can't you? There, when there are when um, when that tank's driving around, blowing up buildings, the houses on either side of the building blowing up all shake. <laughs> it's, it's, that's not what something made of stone would do. No, no. I mean, sometimes it works good. Like when they're in the shopping area, it looks really good. I think, like the yeah. main street. It, I, the whole thing looks great. I think, it, it, even okay. though the buildings okay. are shaking, it's a, it's just such a, a brilliant spectacle. And it's a, it, it, it's almost like the last. Well, it's not the last of that kind of thing, but it, it, the eighties had a lot of this. Invasion USA has one of the best sequences of oh. blowing up a, a district going. Oh, amazing! Just the absurd excess of it, because there's no rhyme or reason to anything. It's nothing's done in a clever way. They've ju- they just blow the shit out of everything, and th- yeah. there's something brilliantly refreshing about that. Invasion USA. This is the only time I can ever say this. Invasion USA is a much better film than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Invasion USA well, is a satisfying film. This it is, is a, I've got I've got a, a the, one of the most contentious issues in my life is a, an original Invasion US, USA one sheet that I have framed in the living room. Oh, every now and again, every now and again, it, my wife and I re, almost reach blows over whether or not it stays or goes. 
it's, well, it's I, very contentious. Oh man, I well if if it ever has to go, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not because I, I know someone in Japan who wants it. Me, I'm um, going first. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't come. You can't stay here. Your poster can't. Um, but um, the 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 stores of Beverly Hills were not happy with this. There was a quote I found. There's a store called I don't know shit about luxury brands. Okay, um, I'm gay, but I'm a giant. They don't make clothes that fit me. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a store called Fred. The luxury brand called Fred, and okay. the. Uh, Sergio Barril, the executive VP and GM, was quoted and said, I see a building explode and I see a window come off the office where I sit every day. Obviously, it doesn't make me, any, doesn't make me very happy. We never consented in any way, shape, or form to having our name or our storefront or anything that relates to Fred used in this movie. And hmm. I feel that if the movie had done better, there might have been some legal action. It might be shaky legal action because the, most people agree that it's kind of a gray area. But since yeah. nobody saw the movie, nobody cared. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So maybe we should transition now and actually go a bit more in depth about the movie. Uh, massive spoilers. <laughs> Before we do that, do you recommend this movie? Uh, to be honest, I if you like, I think I like this a little more than you, and it's, I think it's you not often I find myself in that situation because it. it I love the aesthetic. I, it's okay. shot on film. It's 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 got it's the right aspect ratio. It's they really make the most of of everything that's in that frame, even though it is a bit sloppy around the edges and never really quite develops into a proper movie. Somehow, it, it never really feels you don't you don't feel like you've eaten a, a big filling meal afterwards. You feel like you've watched a TV show. Yes, but I kind of like yes. all of that. Okay. I mean, I think if this was streaming, I'd recommend it, but it's not. You shouldn't buy the Blu-ray. Mm, yeah, that's probably fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's that. <laughs> but if, if if it ever does go on streaming, I would guess check it out. But it is one of those things where like the spectacle of it is is is, is more the spectacle of it is enough to say to that spoilers don't matter. I mean, the the poster is mm. Ken Wall making a Molotov cocktail out of a bottle of champagne. Yeah. <laughs> so with his mullet. So we'll get into it now. There's a whole opening about a about a homeless function with a homeless charity function, which is complete garbage. Nobody cares about that. The 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 basic setup is Ken Wall meets a hot girl, takes her back to his place, and while there while he is sewing, he's really a sensitive man. Um <laughs> which was which is hilarious. Like like he's like, Can we she, she, she totally what? is down for him, but he's like, "What is that scene all about? Which one? Which part? Where? What? He so he's the cocky guy who who he has this great chat up line, which it, it basically it's and he only really wants her to score a point with with his mates who are all watching and betting whether or not he'll cop off with her. And yeah, he does, and he, he's, yeah." He's ultra suave. He's really cool. He gets back, and then as soon as they're back home, he he almost starts crying about how miserable his life is. At, at which point, she completely falls in love with him, having been suspicious of him so far. It's a <laughs> it's a really weird scene. Yes, he wants to be the sensitive. He's a sensitive football player. Um, but he's so sensitive. He 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 ends up asking her to leave because he's just too upset to have sex with her now. Yes, totally. Now I <laughs> I. 
I would imagine it's pretty similar in so but you don't like soccer, do you? You don't like sports. No. Right? No. no. So so like do you you know the quarterback's the the, the big player, right? He's the one who matters the most. Yeah, you know? yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've I've it's, seen Ace Ventura. Okay, yeah. So yeah, he's yeah, he's Dan Marino. <laughs> so um quarterbacks are not known for being sensitive. They're known for being they're known for being cocky pricks because they matter the most. So if he was like a defensive lineman, I could buy it. But like the only people who are more cocky than quarterbacks are wide receivers. Um and I can't he's just not believable as a football player. I say the only thing he has going for him is his physique matches a quarterback. Like mm. he's built the way a quarterback is built. Tall, big, but not too big. And yeah. you know, limping. <laughs> well, yeah, ex- yes. exactly. That, that I I like that detail actually, that he's kind of at the end of his career and he's obviously mm-hmm. spent his career as as the the main guy as a big star and he's just sort of entering this new realm where all of a sudden the coach or the whoever Robert Davies he's the coach to be he he's some, he suddenly suddenly the, the the power dynamic has changed there and he's starting to get he's a little bit worried about the future now i kind of like that they they spend the fir- his first scene is establishing all that and it it does give him a bit more relatability and a bit more depth i think that's a good point and you know it is worth mentioning at this point there there is football in la but it's on the way out and nobody in la really cared about both the la teams sucked in real life Mm. now this movie has no nfl ties like they they never say his team no no Uh, in my mind he's definitely not a radio because he's not a shithead um, <laughs> I say this as a lifelong Raiders fan. They're, they're famous for hiring like the dregs of the NFL. Um, yeah, you know, Ken you know, Boomer seems like a nice guy. He could ne- he could never be a Raider, but he him and his mullet are sad. But uh, and she's gonna <laughs> leave. But then he's like, I'm gonna go to my hot tub. You just come with me. And she's like, okay. But then but there's trouble afoot outside because what's as this is happening in that his house? What's happening outside? Well, EMF. That's what's happening outside. It's unbelievable. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not the, yet. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not there yet. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, well, uh, currently there. So, so the, one of the <laughs> one of the first scenes is one of the henchmen crashing a tanker truck. Yes. Which it's we are then told contains some sort of dangerous chemical, and this is why the police have to do an emergency evacuation of the whole of Beverly Hills yes. because this deadly chemical that no one's actually gotten around to testing. Or checking, it's a, or it's, finding out what it's meant, what it is. <laughs> very deadly chemical, but not right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, really... and not to the wildlife that wanders around it. Yes, so, and not so to the, the cop uh... who's telling everyone to leave. It's like you know, it's like yeah. it, it's a very yes, yeah, it's, it's, it is it is it is a MacGuffin side, I guess. I don't know what it is. And but it is all... a great, it's a great setup, though. It's a great, it's a... it is a, a, a brilliant set, a brilliant angle to get into this idea that the police are then going to go door to door throughout the whole of Beverly Hills and load all of these <laughs> the most privileged elite people in the world just happily wander out in their pajamas and get on buses to be taken. God knows where. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you that's know. that's what then that's what's going on while Boomer's having his bubble bath. And she sees what's going on outside, and she goes, and they grab her and make her leave, and she's like, "But Boomer, but Boomer," and, and they think it's the dog. So Boomer stays, and 
It's so stupid. That's that is dumber than shit because like <laughs> if he is the quarterback for the LA football team, they would yeah. know where it uh, and no, let's like They'd all, they'd all know that he lives there. And w- when you evacuate a house, you don't just, generally anyway, grab the person who's at the door dr- and drag them off uh, without saying, is there anyone else in the house? And like, if that was the approach they took to all of those houses, th- most of Beverly Hills would still be there. There'd be no money in it, but yeah. Um, because after they get everyone, they think everyone out, then unbelievable plays. Uh, this movie has amazing music cues. <laughs> Oh, they're just the best. They are absolutely fantastic. The, the opening song, which I forgot the name of, was um, sampled by Ludacris. Yes, I, it's, um, I actually did some research on that because it's mm-hmm. such a. I love the original. It's a. It's a William Devaughn song called "Be Thankful for What You Got," but it's the the diamond in the back. Everyone calls it "diamond in the back" because that's okay. the the refrain that's repeated, and it's in a lot of hip hop. And I think it was originally credited to marvin gay or someone like that but it isn't okay. it, no uh, curtis mayfield oh okay but oh, it isn't right, it's the right. guy william devon and it's a special it was a cover recorded uh specifically for the movie okay okay and i massive attacked that too i think but my yes. my, my and nwa sampled it yeah because diamond in the back yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah so that's that's kind of cool but this movie has a lot of great songs it has it has unbelievable like a really long remix. Like mm. somebody got the stems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they just wanted they they just wanted that drop over and over again, basically. You're unbelievable. Does, did did uh, I hope and I hope Andrew Dice Clay didn't get paid. Um, <laughs> but it has it has a black box song. Um, it has a Tony 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 song, and yeah. as you pointed out, it has Epic by Faith No More. Yeah, in a great music cue during one of the car chases. Unbelievable! A white Rolls Royce is launched through an exploding pickup truck into the glass-fronted shop full of diamonds. Mm -hmm. As that song bursts into life, it's just extraordinary. There's a damn Yankee song called Rock City, and so that means that means Robert Davies not the most problematic person involved in this <laughs> film because Ted Nugent wrote that song. So <laughs> really, yes. So <laughs> and it has my favorite music cue is during another car chase. It has a Black Cat, yeah, by Janet yeah. Jackson, which is maybe my second favorite Janet, Janet Jackson song after If. Because if's a if's my favorite, but that's a great great rock music cue. It also has "Let's Get It On" because of course it does. Doing the sex scene, the, the almost <laughs> sex scene. <laughs> he's trying to yeah, he's trying to choose which song to play to to woo the woman, and the first the first one's too obvious, so he puts "Let's Get It On" on instead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> subtle, subtle boomer. But I forgot why the I forgot what the impetus is for the cops wanting to kill him. But they start to try to kill him, and then Matt Frewer, after seeing the mayor get killed, gets his conscience and kills the cop, one of the cops trying to kill him. After yeah. Boomer uses his tackle dummy to throw him out a window. Yeah. Um, which is so fucking stupid. And then Boomer gets a cortisone shot, and they're on the go. I do wonder if Ken Wall's ankle was still actually fucked up. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't and think about that. And they wrote it in for that. I didn't think about that because his ankle was a mess after that accident in Wise Guy. 
So that's interesting. You know, that's a good way around it. It makes sense. That yeah, is yeah. good character. Like you, the, the idea of him being a football player kind of on his way out. That's a cool idea. I don't think they do enough with it, you know, but it's, it's a good idea. Um, they, they get a lot of one-liners out of it, don't they? Mm-hmm. There's, there's every other thing he says seems to, what's that? He's got a great line about, um, about being great downfield and they don't even know I'm in the game or something like that. It's, <laughs> there's some great one-liners. Well, I'm not playing defense anymore. Um, <laughs> quarterbacks don't play defense. So I'm, I'm, I'm pissed. There's no like go deep. There's no, um, uh, you've been sacked. You know, yeah, is there a point where he throws a, where he throws something oh, and, and that that's is, integral? That is so stupid. Like the the, the couple there are two times where he throws something and it's in, in, in integral to the plot and it's like he's a quarterback in case you didn't know. So once 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 uh, the cop and Boomer are on the run, Boomer then figures out Boomer figures out that the mastermind is Robert Davies' character who is Boomer's coach, and which is ridiculous. And yeah. at the same time. Um, the girl Laura also figures out that Robert Davy is the bad guy, and she also used to date him. And there's that ridiculous scene where she's running away in the hotel, and there's that there's that, that she opens that door, and there's just a giant pit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not how rooms work. <laughs> that's a that's an OSHA violation. I'd completely forgotten about that. As, as I say, I re I rewatched this yesterday, but it was uh, it was after my weekly online poker game, so I, I was oh, a little okay. bit drunk. I think I think you you rewatched it hungover. I rewatched it drunk, and there's I, bits that are, that are I really re-watch- hazy. I rewatched it smashed. Uh, okay, I good. I watched this last <laughs> night drinking sixty one percent sixty one so one hundred and twenty one proof whiskey. <laughs> uh, don't do that. Um, it did make it funnier. But it it's, yeah, oh, it does, doesn't it? It wasn't worth it the next day. <laughs> um, today, <laughs> today it is now seven fourteen in Tokyo, and my stomach still ain't right. So <laughs> I messed up. But the I feel some of the chase stuff is good because like the movie at this point is just them discovering things, and then Benitez tries to kill them. Yeah, exactly. Over yeah, and over and just... over and over again. It's just running around, isn't it? She's running around in the hotel. They're running around Beverly Hills, and sometimes they're in cars driving. But it's just basically just chasing. And a lot of it is like like um like wealth porn, like the the crashing yes. Rolls Royces, the crashing Rolls Royces. Exactly. They're using crevasses that are worth like thousands of dollars to make Molotov cocktails. They're they're blowing up um designer brand stores. With, yeah, when they dash when they dash into a building for a bit of cover, instead of it being some crappy pawn shop like it normally is, it's like the most elite jewelry store you've ever seen. Yes, and do all we we forgot to mention during all of this when they're when they're gathering when the cops are stealing everything. There's a score count. There's a score, like the uh, <laughs> the these computer the computer geeks. Yeah, yeah. Who who have. <laughs> You okay? 
I'd, I'd completely forgotten about that. And of course, I, th- I think that's a Die Hard thing, isn't it? Because in Die Hard, you've got the 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 as they're trying to rob the bank or get the uh, not the bank, so as they're trying to get the safe open mm-hmm. in the Nakatomi building, there are all these uh, like cues that we're given along the way to let us know what stage they're up to. Like we're, we're, they're through the the first layer of protection. Oh, that's a good and the point. Third yeah, layer of protection, and, and we see visual. You know, we see images of screens demonstrating exactly how far they are through the process of the robbery and they obviously decided they had to do something similar but essentially i think they're just like weighing barrels of jewelry or something and deciding from that how much they've got i did notice all the computers in this are sharp all their watches Uh, are sharp and i don't mean that as an adjective i mean as a brand (laughs) yes it's uh so that's kind of like like the the fake EPA guy, which is I think the best written scene in the movie. The fake EPA guy, <laughs> uh, he has a weird sharp laptop. So like it's all with the sharp shit. So I don't I don't know if they had a a, a deal there. But yeah, at, while there are all these ridiculous safe scenes happening, all the rich people are in this hotel, and the police chief there is kind of kind of sort of trying to get answers, but he buys it pretty well. And yeah, I, I can never work out whether he knows what's going on and is just playing along with them, or or what. It, it, it his position doesn't make any sense throughout that movie. And why why can he not? He's the chief of police, but he's not allowed through a police cordon. That was confusing. I think the the idea is that Beverly Hills cops are soft. Maybe oh, like, okay, yeah. But I like the scene where there's the, the the there's a guy pretending to be from the EPA, and. He's asking him questions, and th- that is a that is a well written scene, where <laughs> he's like, "What are you gonna do next?" And the guy doesn't know what to say, so he's like, well, "What do you think?" It's like, "Well, I think you'll do this." Well, you're right. <laughs> the, the, the guy that the the guy who's pretending to be the EPA agent. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. he's not going to know the minutiae of of the no. job, but he, you'd think he would at least know what the EPA was. And he doesn't <laughs> seem to. <laughs> You know, I'm going to say that the elaborate criminal plan masterminded by a bunch of dumb, by a bunch of cops who were so crooked they got fired, and by an L.A. football coach, maybe they didn't figure out the minutia of the plan. Because the, the deal, what is that fuck, that, that wall? Yes, yeah. Well, this is where, if we're, are we doing, are we doing full spoilers? Yes, please, please. I mean, because nobody gives it. Because yes, go for it. I, I think this is quite a nice twist in its own little in its own little way. So, the so the the coach Robert Davy, who is the villain, he's also some kind of like organized crime boss, isn't he? He's he's more than just a coach. He's, it's he's implied. I think he's yeah. he's rich, and he's it's implied he's dodgy, and he has this incredibly valuable work of art. Uh, uh, on the wall of his is, is bank or something. I, can't I think it's remember. a bank. I think it's a bank. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So, so one of the reasons for this robbery is it's it's a cover to burglarize this wall. So they they actually have to steal a wall, but because it's actually kind of a scam to a, a personal vindictive scam because he wants to pay mm. back the insurer. They're not really stealing the wall. They're kind of hiding it. So they bury it. And the plan yes. is, I think, to, to to then make an insurance claim that'll ruin this this rival of his who he doesn't like. But we don't know about any of that until quite near the end. And it's we we also don't know immediately that Robert Davies involved, if if memory serves. 
I mean, you kind of notice by, by the fact that it's Robert Davy. Like yeah. you don't, you don't, you don't put, you <laughs> don't put point, a yeah. man who, you don't put a man who looks like he's been run over by a truck. Like I would, I would feel bad making jokes about his appearance if he wasn't a piece of shit. But Robert <laughs> Davy is a hideously ugly man, and you don't put him in your movie to make him be the good guy or a throwaway character. No, no, he's a bad guy. He's Robert. That's his job. You know, uh, this is between this is this is between License to Kill and Showgirls. He's not going to be a good person. The second you see leaving, you're like, well, he's he's a bad guy. Yeah. (laughs) And the the chase scenes, I think everything comes to a head because Robert Davey kidnaps Laura and he he gives her the ultimatum of basically like either you marry me or I'll kill you with my crossbow. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Wow. Both Varney, that's Lee Ving's character, and Benitez, that's uh, Bas- B- Branscombe, I don't know if that's his name, Richmond's character, are both kind of zeroing in on Boomer. And this is when Boomer's football skills save the day, because how does, how does Boomer take out Lee Ving? Oh, God, I can't even remember now. He throws the plastic explosive. Remember, he throws oh. the explosive. Of course, yeah. This is quite near the end of the film. I was yeah. really drunk by this point. <laughs> That's the only way to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so he throws the he throws a bomb like a good football field distance into the back of this guy's truck. And so poor Lee Ving's last words are "Boomer, Boomer," and then blows up. But do you remember how he kills Benitez? No, I can't now. No. Oh, you were drunk, you lucky bastard. He just <laughs> like they they like Benitez gets lit on fire at one point. His cars blow up. Like he's like this indestructible hunk of stupid. Okay? Throughout <laughs> the entire film. He's about to fight. You you think there's gonna be this knockdown, drag out, balls to the wall fight. And Boomer throws a rock in his face and kills him. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had the feeling that had the feel of there was meant to be a scene here, but either it was the end of production and they'd all fallen out, or Ken Wall had objected to something because I think Ken Wall was very difficult to work with, wasn't he? By all yes, accounts, yes, one yes. way or another. And there's a bit in this where I, there's, I don't know if you remember, there's a scene when um, Robert Davies shooting at him with his crossbow. <laughs> and uh, there's a shot of Ken Wall, and uh, he, he he kind of ducks to avoid uh, a bolt, you know, an arrow bolt. And it, as far, I, I rewound the scene and watched it a couple of times. I can't see how they faked that. I reckon they actually fired a, <laughs> a, a bolt at Ken Wall because it, it doesn't. It's not aimed quite at him, and he jumps the other way, so it, it is pretty safe. But at the same time, if I was Ken Wall and I was as objectionable as he was, I'd have had a serious fucking problem with that. And I did wonder whether that might have been what led to a couple of slightly curtailed scenes towards the end. Because I think it was shot reasonably in sequence as well. I mean, because well, so much gets blown up, it has to be. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, because the, the end fight, and then the end fight with Robert Davy is also a nothing fight. Yeah, exactly. Were you, do you, were you too drunk to remember how he kills him? Um, I think I remember from the first time, but I don't want to make a fool of myself. Oh, come Any on, more than f- I have. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> he uses that thing that 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 puts air in a drink, like that that. Oh, like yeah, a, yeah. 
and basically the, uh, he's, uh, soda stream. Yeah, yeah, he's basically he gets stabbed by a soda stream and dies. <laughs> the end. And it's just it's the, that that stuff is very sloppy. There's mm. another scene. There's a there's a scene where a car is flying through the air, and then the next cut is falling straight down. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, just... there, there is a lot of that, isn't there? And th- th- that that white Rolls Royce that does that great jump to Faith No More. Uh, it obviously isn't a real Rolls Royce because the no. radiator grill falls off mid jump, <laughs> which I don't think would have happened with uh, with Rolls Royce craftsmanship. Oh. But then uh, in the next shot, that's obviously that's back again. Is they've put it back on. We forgot my favorite. My favorite super partner movie is when they're, they're held up in the sushi restaurant because <laughs> it's it's still kind of the eighties, and they are looking for weapons and they find a display of shurikens. And so he has the line, all we have is these Syracans. And uh, but when they're breaking the glass to steal the Syracans, there is a, a Japan a bandana on in the glass. And my I paused it and I asked my boyfriend what it said, because he's Japanese, and he said he was like, Oh no, it says kamikaze. <laughs> so like the this sushi restaurant would just have a bandana that says kamikaze. <laughs> it's like no they wouldn't but somebody knew enough japanese to make that joke but not yeah. enough to be like hey this is kind of racist so it's a dumb movie like i i i, I get why you think it's worth watching because it is really i mean this is your wheelhouse <laughs> <laughs> would you say it, this, it, this- Go ahead. This is several levels above my regular wheelhouse, actually. That's, that's that was my point. Like compared to like like what is it? Product project shadow chaser, or what's the one? Yes, yeah, yeah. Or 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 the one with the dude who's playing the Native American of no legs. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, can't, I can't remember what they're called now. Yeah, either. yeah, but yeah. No, this is um, this is of a magnitude. Way, this is probably one of, if not the, certainly one of the most expensive movies. Uh, in that diehard video, but also it's got to be one of the most expensive movies um, ever made, considering how well known it is. Because it had a nineteen million dollar budget. That and is, yeah, for no one to have heard of it. Well, it's so extraordinary. It, got, it got pushed back a lot. I think over a year. I think it was mm. filmed in nineteen ninety, and then it didn't come out until October eleventh. 1991 and 1991 was a pretty bad year for movies that were not terminator 2 or robin hood yeah um, like it, when i was looking up newspapers everyone's like this is a bad year like nothing's coming out and so it opened that it opened on it had a pretty small opening only 500 screens but it opened at 16th place oh um it opened it made less money than Shout, which I'm yeah, sure. I, do you know what yeah, Shout is? Uh, I I came across it when only only through researching this actually I came across Shout, but I don't know anything about it. Shout is a musical romance with it's it's it is it is a, the most forgotten John Travolta movie. Hmm. <laughs> Nobody has seen Shout. And it, it got beat by Shout in its first week. It got beat by Terminator 2 in its 15th week. It got beat by uh, a bunch of... This, is a, this was a terrible week for movies. This week had... I mean, number one was... It had Fisher King was number one. That's a good movie. 
end. Well, great yeah. movie. And then Ricochet is okay. And then Frankie and Johnny. But Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> Suburban Commando. Uh, uh-huh. The Super, which is not a good movie. Uh, Freddy's Dead. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Like, all these films outgrossed The Taking of Beverly Hills. The Taking of Beverly Hills' yeah. final gross was less than a million dollars. That's incredible, isn't it? The same it as um, the same as Beastmaster Two: A Portal Through Time, <laughs> which, which, which came is out a, the same year. Which is a better movie? <laughs> it is. No, it is. I haven't seen it. I'm asking. It's a better oh, movie. No, it, it definitely is. It definitely is. Does it have faith in one? <laughs> it it doesn't have faith no more, but it, it, um, it is a masterpiece. It do, it does have Beastmaster in the modern world, and it, actually, it does have rock music. There is a, a very famous scene where they go back in time uh, with, with a with a with a Mazda MX-5. Of and course, it's just a bunch of a bunch of prehistoric desert people with, all crowded around a Mazda MX-5 when the, when the stereo turns on randomly, playing a really loud rock song. So there is a link. Okay, all right, <laughs> but it's, yeah, I, but it is better than this movie. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. I, I've never, well, I love it. So it's, okay. it's Beastmaster. I love it. I mean, it has. Is Mark Singer still in a loincloth? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that's okay. Even, even in the modern scenes. <laughs> that the, then, then you know what? That's better than this movie. Um, this is a bad movie. This movie, the critics didn't screen it. There's no critic. There are no reviews of this movie. Ernest Scared Stupid came out the same week as this movie, and not only, like I said, did it outgross it, that was screened for critics. Ernest. Wow. This was not. So this just came and went like not even like a wet fart. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like it is just gone. No, and it vanished off the face of the earth. Is hard to find on streaming. And I think if somebody else was in the movie, then maybe it would have gotten a reputation. Or maybe like like if they would if it would have been like a an early movie for like, well if it would have been like Hulk Hogan. You know, yeah. or Dolph Lundgren, or Steven Seagal, or Jean Claude Van Damme, or any other B to C to D grade action uh, star, then maybe it well, would have gotten. It. It, exactly. It, 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 there's no one in it who has stayed relevant. Uh, I suppose Robert Davies still has his fans, but he's in 101 of these movies. So yes. it, that's not going to make much difference. But yeah, if, if Ken Wall hadn't just completely dropped off the map, then. <laughs> Uh, yeah it, it, why why not because but then even that doesn't explain why it was such a, a failure in the first place is it do, do you know a guy called jeff speakman action movie star no he was well, i know i know one I, of, I know from your videos but go on explain who jeff speakman is he, 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 he's a a, a a z rate version of jean-claude van damme basically yes. and he was in a movie in 1981 called the perfect weapon which is another oh, movie yeah. that's okay pretty well forgotten i think now but it, it did it did four times as much at, as the, at the box office as this did, and it's got like five or six thousand ratings on sites like the IMDb, where this has got a fraction of that. So it's like Jeff Speakman didn't stay relevant either. But even that movie has a higher profile nowadays than The Taking of Beverly Hills. He made more movies. He did, yeah, he did, yeah. And, and and the nostalgia for eighties and nineties action means that he's got a reasonable profile now, I suppose, but. It's, he's not, you know, he's not like a, a Jean-Claude Van. He's not even a Don the Dragon Wilson type, <laughs> or uh, Mark Dacascos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, 
uh, Ken Wall was a handsome guy. You know, he um, was, wasn't he? Yeah. he's as handsome as somebody with that mullet can be. And yeah. when you when you look at his face, like his his what his glossies, you know, whatever you want, his 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 uh, press shots. If you squint your eyes, or if you're kind of drunk, he looks a little bit like Tom Cruise meets George Clooney. Yeah, I I was thinking yeah. Flash Gordon meets Tom Cruise. I'm I don't know enough about Flash Gordon, so. The, the actor That's, in what's the movie. name? Sa- yeah, yeah. The actor who played him in the movie, Sam Jones. Sam J. Jones, I think it is. Okay, he's he's, he's very blonde in the movie, so that yes, he is. Yes, his, yes. His, his, his face is very similar. All I know about Flash Gordon is the Queen song. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> but he he's handsome, you know. But like he just and he is, he was a good actor in in Wise Guy, but I think that's yeah. the only kind of character he could play is this kind of brooding kind of silent you know like tough guy and the second that's what he looks like he should be playing yeah and the second he's trying to he's trying to look like he's a sensitive football man it's like the movie like you know you're ken wall sorry ken (laughs) uh but girls did love him like he was like the sexiest man on tv like i said so like he's he's brooding as hell though isn't he i can see why i think six like that more Sorry to be sexist, I'm sorry, but like, you know, the not my type. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Like he's I'd I don't I don't I if I squint my eyes and if he doesn't have the mullet, then yeah, I can see it. And yeah, when he's not wearing a shirt, like objectively speaking, he's he has he's a well built man. But there's just nothing there and he just looks like he's brain dead half the time. So <laughs> Not a good hero for not a good movie. But it was fun to talk about, so thank you. In your videos of the diehards, really quick, what is one you could recommend? Uh, there. Well, I like to try and recommend things that people may not yeah. have come across um, otherwise. And there are there are plenty of great diehard knockoffs. I mean, Under Siege is obviously one yeah, of the yeah, most yeah. popular. Uh, but there's a Thai movie called yes. Born to Fight. That's, there's always one movie from each of these videos that I end up plugging. And Born to Fight is is the one, and it's actually it's quite similar in a in a way. It's quite similar to this. It's a it's a it's Die Hard in a town rather than Die Hard in a confined space, and that's really hard to do because you have to have a you know your, your McLean has to be confined somehow, and they pull off the same trick in Born to Fight as they do here. Only there's a hell of a lot more oh, martial arts. Born to Fight is by the director of Ong Bak, right? Uh, I think he directed this one of the uh, okay. some of the sequels. I don't think he directed the original. I think he's like uh, the second tier version of that guy whose and, name I and, forget. Uh, Ong Bak is a great movie. Ong Bak Two is nuts. I haven't. I've never seen. Yeah. Hopefully, he's not so good. But yeah. um, Born to Fight, man, we we fucked up by not talking about that movie instead. <laughs> Maybe next time. I <laughs> highly recommend Born to Fight. Born to Fight and The Protector, which is a Tony Jaa movie. But Born to Fight, I even before your video, when I would recommend Born to Fight to people, I would say it's Die Hard, but everyone is John McClane. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that's it, isn't oh. it? Oh, there is there is that bit where where the where you you start thinking, Jesus, is the entire town a martial arts expert who's now involved in this fight. And as I was thinking it, they cut to a bloke with one leg yes! doing an overhead yes! kick. And it's just, yeah, yes. okay. I love Okay, we're going to end on a high note. Watch Born <laughs> to Fight. It's gooder. Damn straight. But taking a Beverly Hills, if it's available on streaming and you don't have to pay money for it, 
and you have 121 proof whiskey, there are there are worse ways to spend your time. Do you know what? If you're if you if you like an action movie and you've got a couple of friends, but you're maybe you're not. Maybe you're not properly into bad movies and sitting there laughing at bad movies, but you can have some fun with one with with some friends. This is a good choice that you will That's laugh a, a lot. At hey, the it's not Beverly the Hills. worst movie I saw this week. I watched the new Firestarter movie. Uh, uh, have, have you seen the monsters uh, yet? Next, matter, I'm, I am up, re-upping <laughs> Netflix for one month. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting until October. Uh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll we'll talk later. Uh, that fire, the monsters, the monsters remake, the monsters movie cannot be worse than Firestarter. I'm I'm on uh, on record. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to argue on record that. now. I am saying that it cannot be worse than that Firestarter remake. I might just do an episode <laughs> of this podcast about that remake because it made me so angry. As someone who loves the original. Um, of just a textbook example of how not to make a movie. But anyway, we're rambling now. We should stop. Uh, Rob, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm sorry if I talk too much this time, but it's American football, and you know, yeah, not at all, not at all. I, I was, I, I, I enjoyed hearing all Fuck about Ken it Wall. because, uh, like I said at the start, I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't, I didn't know anything about Ken Wall, and you know, I, I do know. now, and I'm not sure if I'm glad <laughs> or not. He probably won't be. <laughs> but, but Rob, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, YouTube, the Bad Movie Bible channel is my main outlet. I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter as well under B Movie Bible just to be confusing. And you got a Patreon, a pa- Patreon. Don't forget that. Yeah. And I I do, yeah, I do have a Patreon. Yeah, de- yeah, details um, can be found on yes, my YouTube. Yes, I, I I highly recommend that. And uh, as usual, you can find me online as Lost Turntable at LostTurntable.com, Lost Turntable on Twitter, Lost Turntable on YouTube, and on my other podcast, Alexander's Ragtime Band, a podcast about progressive rock music. The most current episode is me and Elliot talking about Tangerine Dream for almost two hours. Enjoy. (laughs) And that tells you all you need to know. Either you're going to go download that right now, or you hate me, and there's no middle ground. Anyway. Man, there are worse ways to spend Damn two straight. hours. Like, I, yeah, we did. We have this movie. Anyway, uh, that'll do it for today. Uh, once again, Rob, <laughs> thank you. And I'll be back again in two weeks for an episode of Simple Oblivion. Until then, take care. Yeah.